Today I'll be interviewing Leah Binder, President and CEO of LeapFrog Group. Leah will be speaking at the Cleveland Clinic uh, Patient Experience Empathy Innovation Summit in uh, 2014, which takes place May 18th through 21st. I'm really excited to have her with us today. Um, Leah, for starters, can you please uh, give us a little bit of history about the LeapFrog Group and some of the things you're doing today? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. The LeapFrog Group is a nonprofit. We were founded in uh, 2000, the year 2000, and we were formed by a group of um, employer purchasers of health benefits, very large companies, GE, the predecessor of Verizon, Boeing, and some other very large companies that were very concerned about the safety and quality of care at hospitals. And they wanted to they wanted to do something about it. And the best thing they knew how to the best thing they knew to do was to create uh, to change the market to make a transparent market for high quality care. So, for example, one of the founders was um, GM, and they know that their cars are subjected to a high level of transparency in the market. People can compare among cars in a variety of publications. They wanted to know why it is that they're Employees can't do the same thing when they're uh, seeking hospital care. Why can't they compare among different hospitals? And back in 2000, that was a pretty radical idea, but uh, these business leaders thought, well, let's form this nonprofit. Let's use our leverage as purchasers to try to uh, get that data out of hospitals, to try to publicly report it, and see if we can help our employees find uh, the best place to get their care. That's how we came about. So as time has evolved, uh, you've developed the hospital safety score. Uh, tell us about that evolution and, and some of the, uh, without every single detail, how it's measured and helps you get to that goal of objective standards. Sure. Well, uh, what LeapFrog started doing back in those early days was an annual survey called the LeapFrog Hospital Survey, asking hospitals questions about their safety and quality. And uh Hundreds of purchasers participate with that survey by asking hospitals to please report the data. The difference with LeapFrog and other kinds of reporting initiatives that hospitals are involved in is that LeapFrog does make the data publicly available by hospital at the national level. And, uh, and so today we have about 1,400 hospitals participating in that survey. But back in 2010, the LeapFrog board looked at the survey re results and they looked at uh, patient safety overall, and they felt that we had not gone far enough to influence the market so that we actually had uh, greater levels of safety in hospitals. Uh, unfortunately, there were a good number of studies that came out that year that suggested that safety was simply uh, abysmal in many hospitals. And we felt that there was more LeapFrog could be doing with the kind of leverage that we have among these purchaser members to really influence the market. And the problem with the LeapFrog survey and our, our transparency movement was that uh, it, participation was voluntary. If a hospital doesn't want to report to LeapFrog, they don't have to. And they don't have to make public the kind of you know, infection and error rate data that we make public. And so uh, that's a, a kind of a flaw, to say the least, in our ability to really uh, engage employees in picking the right hospitals. If, if a lot of the hospitals aren't reporting, we don't have enough information to give our employees. So we decided to, to launch a new initiative called the Hospital Safety Score. 
And that initiative doesn't rely on hospitals to voluntarily report anything. That's an initiative that uses already available data, uh, public data, from mostly from CMS, the agency that runs Medicare, and uh, we use most of that data to uh, assess the relative safety of every hospital in the country. And again, we don't require them to give us any information, any anything. Now, we also use some LeapFrog hospital survey data because it's excellent data. And if a hospital does report to us, we are able to use some of that data in calculating their score. But if they don't report, we don't use it, and it doesn't count for or against a hospital that doesn't report. So basically, we're able to um, give a, a, an A, B, C, D, or F to every general hospital for which there's adequate data, and that's about 2,500. Um, and we started that initiative in 2012. We put together a team of, I call them the dream team of experts. It's really eight of the foremost experts in patient safety across the country. Uh, and they came, came up with a, a method for weighting the various measures within the score. There's 28 measures underneath that letter grade and coming up with a, a fair assessment of a hospital's uh, safety. They advised LeapFrog Board, and, and we, uh, we set the letter grades. So, um, and that's the initiative we started in 2012. Uh, I was going to ask about that, and I think you clarified it. So the, you have objective data that's available from CMS and other sources, but then you also do allow hospitals the opportunity to supplement the data that you have um, and so they, it's sort of the best of both worlds. You can, you're not stuck waiting for uh, people to non-respond. However, the hospitals still have an opportunity to provide data if they would like. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. That's right. And that makes sense. I can see that, you know, if you're trying, even if a hospital wants to cooperate, I can see sometimes it's just hard to get your data in a timely fashion. And so uh, being able to have an objective source but still allowing them to participate is sort of the best of both worlds. Um, and I'm impressed also about the way you've gone about to try to make that objective. Uh, what, you know, at this stage, it sounds like you've come a long way. Uh, are there limitations to the scores? There must be some limitations. What, what do you think is, you know, and what are you doing, what do you think is the way forward from there? Well, the hospital safety score has 28 measures underneath it, and the measures are as good as we can get in the public domain. Sure. And unfortunately, that's not perfect. Um, we wish that CMS had um, some better data for us, and we wish it were more timely. Uh, I, you know, we can get a stock ticker that'll tell me where stocks are trading as of one minute ago, but um, most of the data we're getting from CMS is mostly from 2012 and some from 2013. So it's it's a year, year and a half old, uh, and sometimes even more. So I, I think the timeliness and the quality of the data is imperfect. We recognize it's imperfect. However, having said that, we have asked our experts to really look at it, and they've studied the evidence behind the measures. They've looked at what's available, and, and they are confident that this is uh, good enough data, uh, good enough in the sense that they would trust the safety score if they were uh, choosing hospitals for their own family. So uh, that's, that's a pretty high standard for us, so we're comfortable that we're giving the public something they can use. Do you have any interesting anecdotes about hospital improvements and responses to scores. And you mentioned it takes a while now because it's kind of like an aircraft carrier moving forward uh, in terms of some of the data. If somebody really did improve the score, I'm assuming they would want to provide more data to help measure the improvement. But maybe you might have some anecdotes about the kinds of 
improvements you've seen from this, or is that or is that too early? Because this isn't that old; it's only been a couple of years. Well, actually, we have seen some improvement this year. We this round, we just issued a new round of safety scores in um, uh, on April 29th, and we looked at uh, whether we'd seen an improvement in the overall measures from when we launched in June of 2012, so two-year period, and did find overall uh, an improvement of 6.3% in the overall scores uh, for, for the 28 measures, uh, which, is, uh, which is good. I mean, it sounds modest to some, maybe 6.3%, but uh, in fact, when you consider that we have been complaining about the problem of patient safety for 20 years without seeing any results at all, it's, it is remarkable to see a 6.3% jump in two years. Uh, so we're actually cautiously optimistic that uh, something is happening and that there really are some significant efforts by hospitals to improve. So that's good. And then I would say the other, the other thing that we've heard from hospitals that's been actually gratifying to us is that uh, many hospitals that get a poor grade on our hospital safety score uh, are not, let's put it this way, are not complementary to the score in the press. So they are not going out and making statements about how great the hospital safety score is, which we're not surprised about. But what's really interesting is behind the scenes, it's a different story. Behind the scenes, we get calls all the time from hospital executives who really want to understand this data and who go through it with us piece by piece and really are looking at it and trying to set goals and figure out where their weaknesses are and what they can do to improve. We've been very impressed with that. The other side of that is that we've actually been pretty surprised at how little many hospitals knew before about their own data. We've had hospitals say to us, where did you get that information about us? Did you, did you hack our cell phone? I mean, they don't understand how we say, no, it is made available by CMS. It is publicly reported about you. They didn't know it. So we've, now, not everyone thinks we hack cell phones. <laughs> Let me just say that. But, I understand. but I understand. They, they, <laughs> they are pretty surprised uh, about their own data, what it says about them, and what's out there. They, and they, so if nothing else, I think it's been an education process for many hospitals to really learn uh, learn what their data says about them. But I think more so it's been an opportunity for hospitals to set some measurable goals for improvement. And so I, so uh, it's another good reason for optimism on our part. That's really exciting. And I guess I have a couple comments. One, we talked offline before the call about uh, my own experience, my personal experience. And uh, one day I woke up and I wasn't, uh, I was sort of choking and not breathing. And so I was rushed to a hospital, and I remember my experience there, looking around and not recognizing this particular hospital as one of the, the big, you know, great ones in our area, and looking around and noticing that the, the person that was uh, giving me shots and taking care of me was dressed inappropriately, and it just had a weird vibe about it. So when your safety score came up, I always remember that experience. I went and checked, and lo and behold, it was an F. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's because it kind of confirms what I always suspected. But here I am in Southern California with a plethora of choices, of great mm-hmm. choices, fantastic choices. And, that, and I didn't know enough to tell the, the driver, no, no, I really don't want to go to that particular hospital. So I think that's a, a huge opportunity 
And I'm sure you've rattled a few cages with that, but that, you know, the fact that the CEOs are taking it seriously is important. Another it is important. Comp- it, it really is. And another corollary to our previous conversation, the fact that, you know, healthcare is extremely complex, and most people would acknowledge that it's not perfect and it's broken. There's different parts of it. But in, this, in a world of change, something that's been so isolated from the market realities, it's hard for things to just sort of evolve on their own. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the whole trend towards patient experience is happening in part because of compensation. The trend towards mm-hmm. safety is being accelerated because people are watching. So I think that, um, you know, the big sort of logjam that everybody's been talking about in healthcare for a long time, some of these other outside forces are definitely having an impact to it. Um, so that's uh, exciting. That's great. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest uh, impacts, uh, or one of the one of the motivating factors that I think is more significant than a lot of hospitals know at this point is um, is the influence of high deductible health plans. We've seen uh, a, a really rapid escalation in the prevalence of these high deductible health plans among employees across the country. So, recent data from HRET and Kaiser said that in 2012, one in six workers had a high-deductible health plan. One in six after six years ago, it was zero. So we're talking about a a very rapid uh, change. And all the purchasers that I talk to will tell you instantly that they're moving, either moving toward high-deductible plans or they've already uh, implemented one. And these plans are different because it's not like, it's not just that you have the first, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 that, uh, that's in your deductible, you are paying out of pocket for the entire visit. So whereas in a traditional plan, you might pay a copay when you go see a specialist. Even if you haven't finished your deductible, you're going to pay that copay to the specialist when you go to see a specialist. That's not the case with high deductible health plans. With high deductible health plans, you see the specialist, the whole bill comes to you, the whole bill. And that's the same thing with MRIs or all kinds of procedures, all kinds of visits, um, you're going to be paying that full bill. And that has changed and is changing rapidly the way patients think about their own experience with the healthcare system. They are asking more questions. The first question is, how much is this going to cost me? But the second question, which is equally important to them, is what am I getting for that money? So they're really ch- they're changing their orientation, and I think it is changing the culture of healthcare. A couple things that I've noticed on, those, on that point, the, I have a high-deductible plan. And the reason I do, prior to switching to a high-deductible plan, I was paying 24000 a year in insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lot uh, to be paying. Yeah. And so when I talked to the insurance broker, she mentioned the high-deductible plan is, is $10,000. The, the high-deductible was 10000 I think, and the, mm-hmm. the annual premium is 10000 So the worst-case scenario, I still say $4,000. Even if I have to pay the entire deductible, if you're looking at right. this rationally, it's insane not to have a tie deductible plan, at least for my family and my situation. So why would I pay twenty four thousand guaranteed when I could pay ten or you know, whatever the numbers are, uh ten or twelve, and then worst case scenario I get up, you know, if I have a really bad healthy, I still pay less than I would have under the other plan. It's crazy. It doesn't make economic sense. If so many people are used to deal with doing things, they're overpaying. And you, I think you'll see over time that the high deductible plans will certainly increase in concentration as more and more people figure that out. And then the, the other part of this is, uh, as we talked a little bit about line, the patients that a lot of people are looking for, the ones that are you know, more educated and 
um, can do elective care and take care of themselves and so forth. Those are precisely, especially as the older generation dies off and new people come into it and the you know baby boomers enter the marketplace, they're used to having everybody else answer to their schedule, do things for them, not be part of somebody, not being a piece or a cog in someone else's wheel. So mm-hmm. that's where the patient experience component is so important because uh, nobody wants to be sitting in a gurney for four hours because it's the most convenient process for the hospital. Um, and I think that's going to change right. as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, the expectations that that patients are bringing to the healthcare system are, are expectations that are derived from other industries. You know, we're not just patients. We're also human beings, and we shop on Amazon, and we fly airplanes, and we drive, and we go to supermarkets. So we are accustomed to a very high level of competition and transparency and we have high expectations nowadays. You know, I don't. I wouldn't even consider buying a TV, for example, if I didn't have a chance to read some reviews online and see what others thought of the different kinds of TVs that are out there, or just to, to research, you know, other kinds of reviews. I, I would research it. Uh, they uh, p- people expect the same kind of uh, research is available to them for healthcare, and and increasingly that is the expectation that they're bringing into the system. I love your anecdote because. Think about it. You know, what's the worst case scenario if you buy the wrong TV? You blew a thousand bucks. What's the worst case right. if you choose the wrong doctor or the wrong <laughs> hospital? Right? The, the stakes mm-hmm. are a lot higher. And I think that the reason people don't do that by matter of course is they just aren't aware that it's possible to check. Uh, and I think that's changing though. And um, you know, on the we'll talk about the hospital side in a moment, but on the doctor side, certainly there are doctors out there. I remember one famous uh, discussion I had of famous story, but there was a doctor who sued Google because they um, covered uh, some local story that was, you know, almost not known because of a sexual harassment problem that he had within his office. Well, of course, the reporters picked up the fact that he was suing Google, and it became a phenomenon. So it's it's (laughs) a different world, and you can say, well, I'm above all this stuff, but we're not. Everybody else gets measured. And so... Uh, whether it's okay. a good thing or a bad thing, the reality is it's you know it's it's happening and it you can, it's an unstoppable force. It's just changing. The world is changing. Right. Um, I mean, so it's, it's hard to measure hospitals and it's hard to measure doctors and it's hard because it's complicated and it's not all science. Of course not. It's also art. It's caring. It's healing. It's human interaction. It's all of those things that are not all subject to a mathematical formula. So. All of those things are true, but so is the fact that there's variation, that some uh, physicians are are just better at certain things than other physicians, that some hospitals are safer than others, some hospitals are better than others for certain services. That's true, too. And consumers really do have a right to know that, and they have the right to know which is which, and they expect it now. So, you know, I, I know a lot of... Um, uh, my colleagues in healthcare are unhappy with uh, with ratings and unhappy with the all the, uh, the just the, the arguments about ratings that are out there and the just cacophony of measures and this and that and they're they're tired of it and they say well let's try to get some control over that and they try to think up ways that they can set standards for it or or something like that and and the fact is it's kind of like saying. I don't like all this rain we've been having, so let's set standards for how often it's supposed to rain. You know, that's silly. You know, that's absurd. It's the same thing with these ratings. They're not going away. So what I think providers need to do is learn how to use transparency to their benefit. 
how to use it as a way to communicate with the public to build trust with their patients. Sometimes that takes doing something that's completely um, uh, it's against human nature, and that is to actually sit with a patient and say, you know, we have kind of a high infection rate. Uh, we're working on that. Here's what we're doing. But I did want you to know that we have a higher infection rate than others. But this is what we're good at and what we're doing about it. I think that ultimately the providers that are able to have those kinds of conversations are going to be way ahead of the curve because their patients will trust them more than if they find out for themselves on U.S. News website that this hospital has a high infection rate, in which case they say, why didn't my doctor tell me that? So tell me about the public... Uh, the data is not there, but the, the amount of public interaction uh, with the hospital safety score, um, do, and maybe some, just if, if nothing else, anecdotally, what you're finding. Well, we are finding that um, people are using the score. Uh, we are not, we, we are not uh, where we want to be. We'd like to have you know 100% of the public using the hospital safety score and using LeapFrog, but that's we're still working on that one, uh, but we are working on it. Actually, we have some experts in low literacy and experts in um, consumer engagement with healthcare who are now working quite hard on updating our, our materials, and I think there will be some surprises ahead. I think they have some excellent ideas for us in reaching out to the public. But we have been successful in ways that I think are fairly unusual in healthcare in reaching the public at large. So we get calls all the time from consumers who will say, well, um, I don't understand. Why did this hospital, why did you give them a seat? And we'll say, well, here's, you know, everything on LeapFrog is 100% transparent, so we just click into the website and show the consumer um, what the issue is. We'll say, here's, here's, they're below average on this, they have a high rate of uh, infections or whatever. We can see it all uh, on the website. So we'll explain what the issues are. And invariably, they will uh, either choose a different hospital or talk to their doctor. We hear lots of stories about pretty bad conversations that people have with their doctors. Um, one doctor said, "Well, you perhaps you should seek another practice." When they told her, when the the patient said something about the um, hospital's low safety score. So, you know, I think physicians are still learning how to how, how to live in this world of transparency, but. Uh, but it's okay. Uh, I think those conversations are still helpful because I don't think physicians forget when they know that their patients uh, are concerned about something. Even if they don't like it, they don't forget. So um, so what we are seeing, uh, are just a, it's a new voice of the consumer starting to emerge, and, and we're definitely seeing that. So your topic, this on a related note, your topic at the summit is rethinking patient experience in a culture of candor. A candor, rather. Right. Um, tell us more about that. Well, we like the word candor better than transparency. Transparency, uh, I think, is uh, could mean lots of different things to lots of different people, but we understand candor. Candor comes from the heart. Candor is when you share something vulnerable about yourself, in all for the purpose of, of being as forthright and honest and truthful with another person as you can be. And that's the level of transparency that we need to see in the healthcare system, transparency that is candid, candor. And I think what we are seeing um, in this shift that around high deductible health plans and this change, uh, this change with patient engagement, this renewed energy around patient engagement that we've seen great leadership from Cleveland Clinic on but, and other health systems where it's this 
renewed emphasis on really um, putting the patient at the center, but also communicating with the patient as an equal and as someone who deserves to know as much as you do about the healthcare system and how it's functioning for them. So um, I just think it's a, it's a whole new culture. And uh, we want to contribute to that culture by simply putting out there the idea that we, if people should be able to know uh, the performance of their healthcare system, the performance of their physicians. They should be able to uh, use that information to make decisions about where they're going to seek care from whom. And they should be uh, able to get all the help they can in making decisions about which procedures they get where. And I think that um, that is, that's the new era of healthcare that we see ahead of us. And I think it's going to depend on, on a higher level of candor from, from everyone, uh, everyone involved with the system. So that's sort of what I'm going to talk about at, at, the, at the meeting. Coincidentally, I was going to ask you next about your, uh, for a final question about anything you think we've missed or, and especially anything related to the future of healthcare as a result of these kinds of trends. I think we, we're in for a new patient. Uh, the, the new patient uh, is accustomed to uh, shopping on Amazon and, and reviewing, looking at reviews and considering all their options and doing so in a, a highly transparent uh, world. And they are not going to exempt healthcare from the expectation for candor and transparency. So I think that's, that's the new patient. And they're going to be asking questions that uh, would be considered impertinent in earlier eras about how much is this going to cost me, why are you doing this, and uh, what is your rate of infection? What is your rate of cesarean section? They're going to ask questions like that. And I think health systems that aren't prepared to answer those questions are not coming with us into this new era. So I think it's important uh, for uh, leaders in healthcare to start to grapple with how they're going to lead forward uh, in this new era of transparency.